I just want you to know that currently we are living in the world where the Hawthorne Hawks are the best team in the league. Who would have thought that was going to be the case um, two rounds in? And I mean, top of the ladder, best team in the league, essentially the same thing, right? <laughs> I don't know if I would go <laughs> that far, sir, but definitely Maybe not. If, if, if you can find somebody that willing that willingly will put their hand up saying that they saw the Hawks being 2-0 and after the first two rounds of the season, I want to shake your hand, sir, because you are certifiably insane, <laughs> but yet the smartest man on the planet. Oh, I love how it works. What a round that round two was we, between the upsets, between... One of the greatest moments in league history with Buddy Franklin kicking his 1,000th goal. Man, what a night. What a week this was. And we have a lot to get into. But thank you so much for tuning in. Of course, I'm your host, Ross Allen, joined alongside by the best in the business, Footy Correspondent Coach Donnie. And especially you being a Swans fan of all, I'm sure we had a pretty good time this round. Oh, let's just safe to say it was it was six fifteen, six twenty in the morning when Buddy kicked that goal. And yes, I may have been at work, and I'm outing myself a little bit. Thank God, my employer is probably not watching this, but I was probably <laughs> doing everything I could not to run around my condo, just jumping up and down, so excited for the great man to kick his one thousandth AFL VFL goal. It was absolutely outstanding. Yes, when looking back in hindsight, was a tiny bit terrifying how many people came onto the ground and how how little security actually got there. But <laughs> even in hindsight, looking at it, the pictures were amazing. Nobody got hurt. Mm-hmm. There were a few crazy stories, including one couple um, spreading the ashes of their nan or grandmother on the ground during Ooh. that particular run out. I heard there was a picnic <laughs> with champagne was put out there. There was a wet uh, marriage proposal as well. So there was a few interesting acts, shall we say, on the ground (laughs) after that happened and a 30-minute delay. But in the long run, the Swans get the win. Buddy gets his thousandth goal. And as a Swans fan, I am elated, not only because he got his thousand, but now, ladies and gentlemen, the Swans can now just play footy. They don't have to focus on getting Buddy his Mm -hmm. thousand. And as well as they played in that game against the Cats there, think about that, that now they don't have to worry about it. They can play footy. And as well as the Swans played against the Cats. Now, I will also state this too. I don't think the Cats played as well as they did against the Bombers. So that's Mm. another thing to keep an eye on. But it it leads into a cracking game in less than 12 hours from when we're chatting as the Western Bulldogs take on the Swans at Marvel Stadium with – the Swans having a chance to go 3-0, and and the Duggies having a chance to be 0-3 after the first three games of the season. So Hawthorne have the chance to go 3-0, and 
We got the doggies maybe going 0-3. Oh, boy, round three is going to be a whole lot of fun. But what we got for you guys today is, of course, lovely overreactions, including Hawthorne, the Swans, and already we might have a lock for the Brownlow. Do we? I don't know. I guess we'll have to get to that one. Right now we have four 2021 final teams that have started the season 0-2. Who has the most hope and who is in trouble there? And a little bit of uh, controversy being brewed up once again for debutantes being medical subs. Of course, we got a little what-the-blank action, including Desi Martin and the next AFL superstar. And then Donnie's team of the round, our tips, and our little preview for round three. But we're going to kick things off with the overreactions of the week. Are they overreactions or are maybe they actually onto something we will see and donnie will be the judge jury and executioner for each one of these statements but we're going to start off with the brown low talk right now it's pretty safe to say that the top two front runners for this award is Krippa and it's going to be christian petraka so segment number one though donnie crips is a lot for the brown low Oh, I, I love the I love these round two round two and he's a lock for the brown low. Do I Absolutely. think Crips got all? Do I think Crips got all six votes in the first two games? It's hard to argue that he didn't with as well mm -hmm. as he played, and, and that's he's looking amazing, but I, man. But again, there's 20 games still to play. Whether he's the lock or not, we'll have to see. Again, Petraka also, I, it's hard for me to argue Petraka didn't get six votes. So right now, mm -hmm. you've got a tie for the brown low. So. If Kripa continues to play the way he's playing, it's going to be hard to deny him that. But again, you've got Sam Walsh on your team, and Sam Walsh sometimes can have performances. If Kripa has a bad game mm. and Walsh has a good game, there goes three points the other way. So it's still really up in the air. And you could almost say the same argument for Melbourne with Clayton Oliver. So um, is, is there a shot? Yes. I mean, Kripa's got a great shot the way he started. Again, long season, still 20 games still to play. Right now, yes, it's hard to say that Kripa is not a lock, but I, I say let's let's tone down this a little bit because <laughs> there are still 20 games to play, and you don't know what can happen. A suspension could throw this all out of the works. I mean, Kripa gets suspended mm -hmm. for a game. Bye-bye best and fairest because you can't win best and fairest if you get suspended. So it, it, it's, a great, it's a great topic to bring up because it makes you think. But I, right now, I'm lock, no. Good, good chance. He's on the right track. All it takes, he can have an amazing season. But once again, all it does take is maybe, uh, you know, just an armor, uh, incidental contact situation that gets you in a little bit of trouble with the league. So uh, you never fully know, or you can just be um, constantly persecuted, like the almighty Toby Green. He's never done anything wrong, never assaulted an uh, umpire in his life, and he is an innocent man. Um, no bias here. Absolutely <laughs> not. Um, but... <laughs> oh, no, no, no charcoal and orange bias at all, ladies and gentlemen. None at all. I might have to just cover the camera right there. I swear. I'm not even... <laughs> oh, the colors are perfect. But statement number two, kind of why I talked about at the beginning of the show, is the Hawthorne Hawks are 2-0, and most recently after knocking off Port Adelaide. So, they're at the top of the league right now, Donnie. And uh, statement number two, Hawthorne will finish top four this season. <laughs> 
Oh, this is this is an overreaction because I'll I'll do respect to Hawthorne again. Great footy. I mean, I mean, Coach Coach Mitchell, Sam Mitchell has got his guys up and about, and and I appreciate mm-hmm. that. I love seeing Hawthorne, a team that for the longest time was such a great club. That they've kind of had a few down years. I mean, to be completely honest, now was was the transfer to Sam Mitchell smooth? No, it was about as smooth as a curl as a curling ice, which is not smooth at all. <laughs> So, I, really, uh-huh. yeah, it's it's they're pebbled. That's that's how that's why they do the the, the sweeping. So yeah, you learned something today, right? <laughs> oh well, okay. I, I was not expecting to learn a little bit more uh, about curling. I yeah, love it. All right, um, it's a genius on, on the Thank on you. the Hawks. I'm, I I don't I don't want to to be disingenuous in this, but I I I, I kind of put an asterisk near their two and zero because they played North, who just barely beat a waffle team this week. And then a Port Adelaide team that quite frankly, if we're honest, is not the port that we saw last year because mm-hmm. Dixon's not there. Alira Lear's not here. Robbie Gray's not there. None of them are playing really well. And Port played like absolute let's just be honest, they played like shit. Let's just be pretty. honest. It wasn't pretty. It well it was it was bowling shoe ugly and I've said that before and I still it, it's one of my favorite quotes in that situation. They were bowling shoe ugly and they were supposed mm-hmm. to be representing it was supposed to be Russell Ebert Knight who was one of their their club greats when they played in the sample. So it was all around a a horrible game and, and I know some of the Port fans that I've talked to they're not happy. It's just safe to say Coach Hinkley, his seat, if it were a skillet, could cook a grilled cheese in about 10 seconds. That's how hot <laughs> his seat is right now. On Hawthorne, well, are they going to be a top four team? I don't think so. Honestly, mm-hmm. I'd almost be a tiny bit scared. you got a Carlton team that may humble this Hawthorne team, and all this talk about Hawthorne being a great could go bye-bye quickly. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Again, it, it, it's we can sit here and we can gauge North and Port. Now we get to gauge them against a team that I think a lot of people are on that bandwagon now of. Is Carlton legit this year? And after mm. two games against two good teams, it's hard to argue that they don't have a this, – this isn't one of those where does if Hawthorne pulls this off against Carlton, then that, that particular quote there may be true. They have a chance to be a top-four team if they can knock off Carlton. But if Carlton smacks them by 70, then what's, then what's the quote? Mm-hmm. See, Hawthorne in top four it definitely seems like over-exaggeration, it, 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 uh, the current. But I do think there's a legitimate, um, I guess, argument for them to be a finals team, though, to finish just in the top eight. Because if they look anything like this, and we all know it's going to be a bloodbath there, even just fine for the eighth spot, given the competitive level, the competition level we are probably going to see this season, what we've seen through, through the first couple of rounds at least, you could probably be around a 500 team and have the chance to still make it in for the 8th spot just on percentage points alone and Hawthorne looking great right now percentage wise they could carry that through the season as of right now, I do think they're a legitimate threat to the finals Yeah, I, I'm again, it, it's Still 20 games of footy. There's so many things that could change. <laughs> Two or three injuries the right way, and this Hawthorne team could flip on its flip on its head. Then they'll just and be like Port Adelaide. And that's and that's kind of and that's kind of the way the entire league is. Sometimes a couple of injuries mm-hmm. in just the right spots can completely and absolutely derail any team. So, again, is it a great story to start the year that all the new co- the all the new coaches, Michael Voss, uh, Sam Mitchell, and and um, the Collingwood coach? I'm totally losing his name right now 
all three of the new coaches are all 2-0. and All three of their teams are in the eight as we speak of right now. How crazy is that? Because, again, I don't think many people are going to raise their hand and say, yeah, I saw Collingwood, Carlton, and Hawthorne <laughs> in the top eight after round two. I, I, you're yeah. not going to get too many people raising their hand on that one. So again, with the way the rookie coaches story? performing, these uh, veterans might be a little bit. Worried. Some of them might be worried about the job, man. <laughs> but, but you could also probably again, not. Let's, yeah. let's let's temper our expectations as well because Collingwood Collingwood's two games haven't been exactly against great teams. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, St. Kilda St. Kilda was one of your when St. Kilda was one of your wins in the first round in the first week. A St. Kilda team that I think a lot of people kind of looked at and went, um, okay, yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's kind of the way this year has been. It's like it, it all kind of depends on who you've played as of right now. It's it's not mm-hmm. really how you how your results are because I mean St. Kilda mm-hmm. and Adelaide. It's not exactly your your barn buster. Your 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 top four type of teams. I mean, it's not like they went through Western Bulldogs right, and Melbourne the top first two, two teams. games of the season. I mean, so that's kind of your difference. That's kind of your difference there. So it's like, I kind of, mm-hmm. I take it with a grain of salt a little bit, but I mean, it, you're happy for them. Oh yeah. Hey, one thing I am happy about is, is on we're talking about St. Kilda. I am loving my tip for them over Frio this uh, uh, round. Also with North Melbourne, uh, shout out to you guys for making me look smart for once. Um, du- duly appreciated. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the last overreaction we got for you, Donnie, is, and I'm not sure if this is exactly an overreaction, but your Sydney Swans are the flag favorites after two rounds of footy. Right now, in terms of the ladder, they sit at number three, um, just uh, um, by percentage points, um, a little bit... Uh, I mean, Hawthorne has a giant lead, have, has about a 30-point lead over the number two Collingwood. Sydney is about 10 points behind them, and they're about a couple points ahead of Melbourne at this point. So, overreaction or not? Oh, again, two rounds. I, I, I wish the overreaction wasn't as easy. Until I see <laughs> Sydney versus Melbourne, until I see Sydney versus Carlton, I, I don't – I. I will say overreaction on this one is as much of a swan snuffy as I am at times. Still roll with Melbourne I just, as, as the favorites. I, I almost, I almost, it's, it's the Western Bulldog game in, in a few hours. It's the Carlton game. Mm-hmm. It's the Melbourne game. It, I mean, it's, it's those games that are really going to test. It's the Brisbane lions. It's those four teams right now. It's hard to argue that those aren't there. All of these teams are right in that same little category. Now the ports kind of fallen off. It's who kind of fills that spot that port's kind of fallen out from. Is Sydney a flag contender? Yes, I think they've got the right mix. They've got a young squad. They've got a buddy fit and fire a, a fit and firing buddy Franklin, which few teams have a guy that's like scary. that. So, I mean, I think that's kind of the thing that for me, are they a flag contender? Yes. Are they flag favorites? I Melbourne is going to have that mantra until somebody knocks them off. And then we'll kind of see how Melbourne responds. Because last year, mm-hmm. Melbourne had that dip, and then they came good, very good, come finals time. So and, and my my worry a little bit with Sydney is I don't know if they match up well with Melbourne's midfield, considering Sydney still has a very young midfield. Mm. And Melbourne's midfield are mature, bullish, big-body midfielders. Sydney is kind of a younger, speedy midfield. So... I'm interested to see when they do match up how that goes. Because I know last mm-hmm. year when those two teams played, it was a cracking game. Sydney fell, 
but you could kind of tell it really was the big body midfielders that turned that game for it. So we'll really have to see how that goes. But flag contender, yes, flag favorite, a little bit of an overreaction. That that's totally fair. Um, I know that round twelve is going to be a lot of fun. That is when Sydney matches up with Melbourne. Um, it's going to be a little bit until we can get that matchup, but it's going, probably only going to make it that much more anticipated. One thing I do like, though, out of Sydney's side is that, I mean, just offensively, their midfield has been freaking ridiculous um, in terms of their output the first couple of rounds. And we saw um, they struggled a little bit in the first half against GWS round one, but once the bounces started just going a little bit their way, they absolutely took over that game, and they, they just kind of took all the momentum away from the GWS side there. And they just put a beat down in one of the, on the, one of the best-performing teams that we saw in round one. I know you said earlier that this wasn't the same Geelong team performance-wise that we saw in the previous round. So they might not have played as well, but you, I, I think a lot of that credit goes to the performance from Sydney side, as long as you got Isaac Haney and Buddy Franklin performing like they have been, that's a potent team that can play some good defense. That, that's a scary, <laughs> a scary sight for anyone going against them. I guess right now it's really is between them and Melbourne is the top two flat contenders. Um, but of course it's easy to default to, to the D's at this point, you know? Well, and I think the other thing, too, you also got to look at it is the scary part for Sydney is they're still not even at full strength. I mean, Tom Papley still isn't back yet. He's out with a hamstring injury. So think about think about that. I, I was I was having a fun conversation with a few Swans members because we were trying to figure out when Papley does come back, who does he come in for? Because right oh, now the gosh. team's playing really, really well. And I, and I, I, I had think some discussions. No, I think he comes back in. It's the question okay. of who comes out. Is it is it Hayward? Is it Wicks? Is it Ar- Armadi this week? Since they dropped since they dropped Logan McDonald, put Armadi in in in, in the lineups mm-hmm. that just released. Does McLean come out? It's there's there's a lot of questions on forward wise who comes in, and then Justin McInerney's out as well. He's been out with a knee injury since round since round one. Didn't play in this game against Geelong, and they still played really well. Who does McInerney come in for? I mean, McInerney, does he come in? For, does he come in for? Say a Dylan Stevens, does he come does he come in for a backline person like a Jake Lloyd who came in for him due to the injury? And Lloyd is Lloyd, he's usually a pretty good player, but did not have as big an impact as he normally has. Do you see a Harry Cunningham mm-hmm. dropout? So Sydney kind of has an embarrassment of riches a little bit right now because A, they're not hurt. And B, they've I mean, they've got two guys that are hurt that can come back that technically will make the team stronger. Than they already are, and they've had a couple of impressive performances to start the season off. So this is the Swans team that, scarily enough, could actually even get better than they already are. I'm sure you're pretty happy about that prospect, uh, is I'm sure the rest of Sydney Nation is as well. But let's know your thoughts on the overactions that we went over um, on this one. Uh, hit us up in the comments or over on our socials um, on Twitter and Instagram. Is Kripa the um, the lock for the Brownlow at this point? Will Hawthorne finish in top four? And who do you have as the current flag favorites just a couple rounds into the season? Um, but what we're going to roll into next is a couple of storylines coming from the week. If you're a fan of one of these four teams, you're definitely not feeling the best after these last couple rounds. And some of them might be feeling even worse. Um, but there are currently four 
2021 finals teams that sit 0 and 2 on the season, and those include the Doggies, the um, the poor Eston Power, Eston Dons, and the GWS Giants. So, Coach is a uh, is it time to hit the pan button uh, for uh, one of these teams, or which one still has hope at making the top eight by the by the end of the season? Ah, there's there's a few that I think are 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 they're they're breaking the glass on the proverbial panic button, and they're they're about ready to hit it, if not hitting it. And that's Essendon and Port Adelaide are, in my opinion, mm, they're, right they're there. hitting it, going, come on, come on, come on, because. Ascendant losing J- losing Zach Merritt to an injury, uh, syndesmosis, and a couple of shall we say lackluster performances has a lot of people in Essendon going. Did we overestimate last year's performance? And, and mm. is this team got that sophomoreish slump after last year's? Which and I don't like to say because I think Essendon was as a heck of a ball club, but I think they're just they're running into the they're running into the fact that they're still some frailties in the defensive end. And if they can't score because of some of the, they're, they're not getting the consistent scoring they were last year. I mean, mm-hmm. and the name of what he's still out. We don't know when he'll be back. Unfortunately, due to some personal reasons, Jones is hurt. You've, you've got all sorts of, you've got all sorts of just chaos a little bit with, with a combination of COVID uh, COVID protocol guys out guys getting injured. And, and it's unfortunately it's, it's hitting them at the worst possible time. And then with Port Adelaide, I think you hate saying it, but two injuries have really debilitated this team, and that's Dixon up front and Alir Alir out back. It's so this, evident the the whole Alir Alir is left. Unfortunately, this is this is the same problem Port Adelaide had before they picked up Alir in the trade is that they are an undersized D, mm-hmm. and when you get a good a good full forward that can lead and is strong, they they don't have anybody to stop them. And if that opens up, the rest, everything else in the game kind of opens up on Port Adelaide a little bit. So it's if if I'm Port, I'm I'm smacking that panic button and wondering. I mean, Hinkley, as I said, pre, as I said pre-record, oh man, I mean his seat has got to be, I mean, just absolutely infernal hot underneath his tail because the Port Brad Adelaide on that one. are they are livid. I've I've talked to a few. They are livid about the perform the first two performances of the season, especially after the the distasteful ending to last year with the doggies coming mm-hmm. into coming into Adelaide and and proverbially handing them their rear end on a silver platter. So to to answer it the other way, if I'm the Western Bulldogs and GWS, I'm not panicking right now. I think GWS has that. Little shining light of Toby Green, but the injury to Phil Davis is going to bug me a little bit because, yes, you've still got Sam Taylor, who I think Taylor and Phil Davis did a wonderful job on Buddy, and this is a Swans fan talking here. <laughs> I think they did a wonderful job shutting him down, and I think really kind of kept that game close. If Buddy gets loose, then the game can get out of hands. So they did a wonderful job of keeping that game close. But unfortunately, this is the GWS that I think we discussed a lot last year. It's an inconsistent team that just, they have great game, yeah, game. great game, yeah, game. And and this came at the worst possible time because this is a game. Well, it's not even the games. It's great half, horrible half, or even great quarter. Horrible quarter. It's so infuriating to watch as, and the, a, as a supporter. And the worst, 
And the worst part about it is it was against a Richmond team that you could have buried. They were without Dusty Martin. They were a little bit down. They totally could have won that game. And in some situations, there's some people in the competition that are probably going, darn it, GWS, because that, that lets Richmond get some momentum without mm-hmm. Dusty Martin. If you let the Tiger Army get behind them and they start winning games, they're a tough team to beat. So a little they're bit a of tough that. team to deal and with, with on West, Twitter. And then with the Western... And then with the Western Bulldogs, I, I kind of – it's weird to say this, but even if they go 0-3, I wouldn't panic too much because mm-hmm. I mean, look at who they've played. The Melbourne Demons, who a lot of people are talking about, flag repeat repeat as flag and flag favorites. The Carlton Blues, mm-hmm. who we've now pretty much can – I don't think we're going off too high a limb to say they legitimately can make finals this year and legitimately be a tough team in the finals if they stay healthy and consistent. And then Absolutely. round three this week with Sydney, a team that a lot of people are starting to kind of jump back on after going into the, a lot of the season previews. Sydney was a team that a lot of people kind of discussed in the Essendon ranks of dropping out. So mm. you're seeing a lot of people kind of bunny hop back onto the Swans bandwagon after after what they did to the Cats. That I, I think if you're the Dougies, it, it's weird to say 0-3 oh, and you shouldn't really panic. Because you, you played three really good teams, you just their issue you run into is is that losing Josh Bruce for some weird reason has just sent this forward line into just absolutely insanity. They don't know what they're doing. Naughton's having to try to do everything because nobody else is helping him, and it's really hurting them. And their defensive core has not played as, as well as they had early in last season. So this is a Dougies team that I think is the exact opposite of the way they were last year. Last year, they were so good at the start of the season and kind of tailed off towards the end. This Mm -hmm. year, that first game against Melbourne, I mean, it was like the grand final. It was on, it was off, it was on, it was off. And that was kind of the way it was. Against Carlton, I think they just, they ran into a buzzsaw. That Carlton team was up and about. They had tons of Mm -hmm. fans behind them. And when you don't have Bailey Smith on there, who's kind of a a stabilizer in your midfield, uh, that really hurt them. So I, I, the doggies are the only team I'm not sitting here going grab the grab the glass breaker. We got to hit the panic button. The doggies are the only one that I'm I'm not even close to it. I'm like I look at who they've played first, but zero mm-hmm. three. You start kind of thinking a little bit. I mean, are has people figured out how to beat the doggies? Mm. I guess one of the things to your point about the doggies is like, yeah, they sit zero two right now. Definitely not one of the better spots to be in. But just from what if you don't if you didn't look at the final score of the games if you just kind of watch it the the first couple of rounds it they don't feel like an zero two team by any means really they're only zero two in the standings they 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 look good they feel good they still have their their list there and so it's just. It, it it really just might be a matter of time at this point in GWS. Um, I I I don't know, man. Are we, I don't want to get back to the whole, um, you know, head coaching conversation like we were having issues with last season. Um, I'm definitely don't want to hit the hit the bell on that one quite yet again because obviously that was an overreaction. Um, but there's just something that needs to be done. If it's my fingers crossed, it's something as simple as just having Toby Green back on the field. You know, um, just the the co-captain taking this team over and having them refine themselves and bring a little bit of consistency to it. Then if you're Port Alley, that uh, might be time to start looking at making a trade already at this point to to try to salvage it in early. 
you know, a poor start early in the season, kind of like how we're already doing a bunch of trades in our fantasy footy league. Maybe their uh, their club needs to take a look at what we're doing. I don't know. All I know is I I, I listened to I listened to a radio podcast out of South Australia, and I can't tell you how many people were like, "Let's just fire Hinkley now and try to get and try to get um either Buckley or um oh geez." The former Hawthorne coach, and uh, why does this name escape me? Clarko, trying to get one yeah. of those two in now it's to maybe save early, the man. season, and I'm just like, I'm wait, like, that's a little, that's a little aggressive for a for a for a, for a coach Hinkley who I mean got you to two consecutive preliminary finals. Yes, were they great performances? No, but I think you're jumping the gun just the tiniest. It's bit, really I, hard the back to back preliminary finals. It's really hard to do better than that. You know, uh, well, like 90% of the league would be honored to have Hinkley as their head coach at this point. Hey, but is a, is a Giants fan? Sure, fire him, please. I, I will happily take an upgrade. Uh, but I, I, I don't think it's on him. Their, their lack of success, I, I wouldn't put it necessarily like fully on his shoulders in terms of, you know, enough to fire him. It's encroaching on there. But if you want to go back to our first segment with the overactions, that's definitely in overreaction you guys you need to chill but i don't know maybe if maybe they're just worried about the the showdown happening on friday which i don't blame them <laughs> well i and i cannot well but the thing though is is that you kind of you don't you, you understand it a little bit because you yeah. got a possibility of getting two really good i mean i mean both of those gentlemen there i mean are proven coaches they both have been to grand finals clarko's won several flags so it's almost kind of I, I I you understand this is one of those few seasons where a quick trigger firing won't surprise me if you get a team oh mm. four oh five oh six because I mean That's look fair. who's sitting on the sideline ready to take <laughs> over. That's for some people arguably one of the one of the best coaches to coach afl in in the last 30 years so i mean mm -hmm. it's, uh, you almost hate to say it you kind of don't mind the argument because this is a very unique season with buckley and clarko sitting on the sidelines in the wings going i'm i'm both have already said they don't mind they, they want to get back into coaching the question is will they be interested in going back this season or is it something that mm -hmm. they're going to wait until after the season's over with and then they can pick and choose what club they want to go to if multiple jobs come open. That's a good point right there, man. Uh, if you want to keep talking about Nathan Buckley, though, he certainly had an opinion off of what went down this week um, because, of course, there's a little bit more contro uh, controversy coming out from debuting players being listed as medical subs. This happened uh, most recently with um, Thanks uh, Wanganeen and making his debut for the Dons, but he, of course, never played a minute in this one. This is the second time it's happened this season. So, of course, when something like this, there's definitely going to be all sorts of opinions on it. I would say predominantly it's a people look down on this action, but Nathan Buckley um, brought a I, what um, I thought was a very insightful perspective on this situation, and I have a quote here um, from him. Um, he said, uh, but if you ask that kid, do you want to play a game in the twos or do you want to come be a sub and sound the silence? And you could be playing in five minutes and you can contribute to an AFL game 
of those answers would be, I'm doing that. Um, and he also goes on to say that to sit on the bench and absorb and witness and be a part of an AFL game uh, from that perspective is absolutely good for their development. Although he, he goes on to say that I do understand the criticism that comes with it, but sitting on the other side of the coaching panel, you have to pick the side you think is going to give you the best chance of winning that week. I thought that was a very, very fair um, perspective to shine this. So, Donnie, where do you kind of blind this? I'm sure, um, of course, you might not be a huge fan of it, but also at the same time, can you definitely? I can definitely see where where Coach Buckley is coming from. I'm I, I sit on the fence on this one because I, I understand the argument mm-hmm. for it. Um, there there've been a lot of people calling out for it. You have to make it. You have to make it to where you can't have a debuting rookie player be the medi sub. And I go well. The problem is is that then you screw the coaches in selection because yes. they can't pick their best twenty two if they're handicapped having to put somebody in the twenty two that may be the twenty third best player. So I I understand the argument both ways. Like I, I legitimately, yes. maybe, maybe it's the coaching. It's like if if the kid is 23rd, he should be the Medi sub. He shouldn't be the, he shouldn't be 22 and then have a guy that you really want playing as your Medi sub because a rule says you can't have a rookie there. <laughs> but the argument against it, and I understand it is, is that this is one of those where it's like, then why do you have him as 23rd then? Why don't you wait until you can get him in the 22 and then debut him where he can actually play? Because mm-hmm. the kid gets, I mean, I'll say it screwed a little bit because mm-hmm. he gets a game, but he may not play. I mean, it's all down to injury. And thankfully, none of the none of the coaches have played the, the fake injury card and gotten somebody on just to get a, a fresh body on, which I've, one of the things that when this new injury sub came in, Everybody discussed. Everybody was like, well, coaches are going to do this. They're going to talk the doctors into faking injuries. So then and a guy can come on. And all last season, they were watching these guys like hawks. And <laughs> it didn't happen. Like the one thing mm-hmm. everybody said was going to be abused by the coaches didn't happen. And I appreciate the coaches and the doctors most of all for doing move. that. Yes. And I really appreciate that. But again, I... Could the AFL make a rule? Yes. <laughs> the AFL can do what they want when it comes to rules, as we see by the insane amount of rule changes over the last Literally five years. <laughs> well, not everything, but it sure seems like it. Okay, fair. <laughs> I mean, if they wanted to, they could. But I, I yeah. appreciate that they're not doing this because the coaches have to be able to do their job. And I'll, I'll, I, this, I'll, I'll raise my hand as part of the coaching I raise my hand as part of the coaching fraternity here. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of people complaining about the coaching and about coaches that go into defensive modes to win games. I've stated it many times and I will state it again. If you don't, if you want coaches to coach, to score points, to keep you entertained, don't pay them to win. <laughs> don't yep. pay them to win. That's, not that's the best argument because because if you pay them to entertain you, you're not always going to win because sometimes entertaining footy is not always winning footy. And I know that no. it may contradict to some people's thought processes, but it, it don't don't pay these coaches to win if if you want entertaining footy because they're not going to do mm-hmm. that. They're going to coach to win, and if entertainment goes out the door, well, I'll be darned. I'd rather have a win than be entertained. <laughs> 
shall we say, which I know Absolutely. is controversial for some people. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't think you're crazy for wanting to win as a head coach of a team. Um, in fact, Donnie, I think that's exactly what your job is to do. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I guess really what comes down to this situation is, um, you know, to not put this, to not, to do this, it's good is a, from a coaching and from an actual game perspective, but it's negative from like, I guess, a moral or like a personal feeling kind of perspective. If you look at just game wise, it's, there's nothing wrong with it. But if you look at the, the only reason why people don't like this is the possible um, emotional or mental impact on the player and his family and, you know, the stuff that goes in with that. But besides that, if you're looking just from a game perspective, there's absolutely not, nothing wrong with this. So that's why, like, I'm glad they're like you. I'm glad they're not putting a rule in with this. It's unnecessary. I can, I, I can feel with the side against this, but in terms of just the game, it's really not that bad of a thing. Well, it, 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 here's here's the thing, and, and I under, I understand it. Again, the, the kid's family comes all the way from Western Australia to watch the kid debut, and he doesn't play. Yeah. So I understand the feeling. Absolutely. I understand the emotional response to this. Mm-hmm. But the issue is, is that does does the kid want to be playing at the cost of his team winning a game of footy? Because if you ask mm-hmm. it in the long run, what's more important? Does the kid want to debut or does the kid want to be part of a winning footy club? Like, I mean, I mean if, if you go down for it, 99.9% of kids that are going to play footy, they want to win. They want to win. A, mm-hmm. They want to win a premiership. They want to win games. Yes, they want to play. But in the long run, if their team wins a premiership, they're part of it. Like, I, I think that's one of those where it's, again, you, you have to take the bad with the good. There's there's going to be some points where emotionally and morally we're going to have to kind of <laughs> bite our tongue and let it go, <laughs> which is frustrating, especially mm-hmm. w- with the way some things are. But this is one of those. Do I understand it? Yes. I, I'm, I, I would put my coach's hat on and I would, I would find a way to make sure that if a kid's going to debut, he's going to debut in the 22. I'm not going to have him as a medi sub. I think, I think it, I would, as the coach, I would hope that you have enough sense to know that if they're going to bring their parents in, they need to play. They can't be a medi sub. Mm-hmm. That's on the coaches. You, you can't, you can't rule that into the game. I think it, it just, it just, it bastardizes the game way too much. So that's, Absolutely. this is almost one of those, you almost want to lean on the coaches and go, Hey, Think about it. If you're going to have a rookie as a Medi sub, then make sure that his parents aren't coming in. If his parents are going to come in, either get him into the 23 or don't, or, or tell him that they're debuting, but tell the parents they're a Medi sub and they may not play, so they don't come for no reason. Does that exactly. make sense? You know, let the coach do the nice thing, but don't force the coach to do said thing. I, I think that's 100% super reasonable. Right. I, I think that's fair. And let us know what you guys think as well. Are we on base with this one? Are we a little off? Um, what do you guys think? Um, obviously, there is a bit of a moral dilemma going on here, but should there actually be a rule in place? That's a big question. Let us know about that in the comments or, of course, over on our socials. But before we get to Coach Hess's amazing and hard to choose, especially in the four-line team of the round and our tips, we're going to hit you guys with a little bit 
a what the blank and this goes in from we debuted this onto the footy show last week of course for those that don't know how this works we got three statements for you and there's a blanket either the beginning the middle or the end and it's up to coach donnie to fill it in with whatever he chooses whether it be a grunt a full essay or just a sentence or word and of course sound off in the comments on this one as usual but starting us off the first statement donnie for what the blank is buddy's 1000th goal was blank was once in a lifetime and, and I, I i state this and, and i'm one of those i i agree with what so many pundits say this could be the last ever time somebody kicks a thousand in the vfl afl like i'm i i I hope that isn't true. I really do mm -hmm. because it's such a cool moment. It's such a cool accomplishment. But legitimately, as they kind of broke down the math, you have to average something around 70 or 80 goals and play eight, 17 to 18 seasons to be able to kick a 1,000. And with the average player only playing about three seasons and many mm -hmm. players, including Coleman medal winnerless medal winners in the last few years, barely getting to 70 or 80. It's an accomplishment that takes a lot of luck and a lot of skill to be able to pull mm -hmm. off. And with the new styles of the grid style zone defense that so many coaches play nowadays to kind of even the game out. I just don't know if you're ever going to get it unless you get a guy that has like a magical 100 goal season, which is just as difficult. So uh, mm -hmm. it's a once in a lifetime thing because we may not see it again. Like it, to be able to see that live is something, even if me, mm -hmm. even with me over here in the States, like that was, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Like I was literally I'm watching beyond jealous of your like, friend that was in attendance beyond jealous. Oh, I, I had, I had a few, I can't tell you how many video, how many videos and pictures I have of mates <laughs> who are, are swans, swan supporters that were at the, at the SCG that were there that were either on the ground or taking videos of people running on the ground. I mean, it was absolutely outstanding, but it was a once in a lifetime moment that, I mean, you just, you can't, you can't put into words how cool it is. And it got AFL back on Pat McAfee. Yes. Like, the one uh, thing we'll, to we'll say that like, we'll state it like that on what I actually thought about it because the fact <laughs> that like, I later heard that in some time in that radio call, he couldn't remember how much a goal was. And I went, Oh my God, really? Ugh. No, no, oh. no, 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 no. Oh, Seriously. how the mighty have fallen. But luckily for all of you, it doesn't, Pat McAfee doesn't matter because he got me into the sport and now you got me. So <laughs> I'll bring the bit of a Pat McAfee-esque feeling to the game. Uh, as long as you stay here, stay subscribed and following, you're going to get something that much more and better because we actually consistently talk about this sport and not just when it's convenient for us. And I do know how much a goal is worth. And that is, oh boy, <laughs> six points. Six points. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, 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 oh my gosh! Like I, I saw the video, and it, it's cool. Uh, I was a little disappointed. I was hoping that somehow it would find its way over to mainstream, up to mainstream, like Sports Center, or some of the news channels over here. Like uh -huh. I was sharing it to every American that I could. Doing going, my best, man. See, you gotta see this. I've and... never seen well, the cool thing. I never seen like the 
the rush in the field like this to, to see 20,000 people on the cricket grounds like that well, was ridiculous. Well, let's, 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 let's hold our horses a little bit. It does happen over here in the States. It's just not, it's just not as for, uh, it's just not as feverish as it, it felt is. Different. I mean, it felt I different. I mean, if you think, if you think about it, college football, college football upsets, they rush the field all the time. College football, college basketball. Tear down the goalposts, the good stuff. Yeah. They, I mean, they rush the field. So it's not, this isn't something that never happens in the States. I mean, let's, let's, let's not jump that particular. <laughs> it, it's well, I guess what I mean true. by that is that nothing I've seen before in the States has felt like this. No. And, and the thing is, is that it's never happened during the game. Like, I think that's the other, yeah. the, the kind of, the kind of caveat yeah. that I say is that this happened during the game. There were still mm -hmm. over almost six minutes left in the game when this particular thing happened, where most of the time in the college sports where we see it happen here in the States, it's once the final siren go, once the final horn or siren or bell or chime or whatever mm -hmm. goes, that's when they rush the field. So they don't have to clear the field or clear the court as quickly. So I think that's kind of the massive difference between the two, but it was just, it, it's such a, it was such, the visuals were so cool. Like seeing the blimp mm -hmm. footage of that whole thing happen, yes. it looked like ants, but it was fantastic vision. So cool. It was so cool. I, I love it. And, and if we never get to see this again, I'm glad I jumped on the footy bandwagon just in time um, to, to see this then. Cause it, it, it was a hell of a moment. Um, but going from a current superstar and someone that will always be a legend of the sport and Buddy Franklin, Donnie, it's time for you to take a little bit of a swing and to peer into your uh, crystal ball and see if we could see the future. Because statement number two is blank is the AFL's next superstar. Well, if you ask most people, it'd be Jason Horn Francis. And it's hard to argue that the young man has not lived up to the hype. And he's played very mm -hmm. well in his first two games. Yes, I mean, he, he's, on a, he's on a team. It's like many rookies over here in the States. You get thrown into the wolves a little bit. You kind of have to survive, shall we say. <laughs> it's hard not to argue that him. But I would also I would also throw the younger Dacos in there. I mean, he's he mm -hmm. stepped on. I mean, he hasn't had as big an impact. But he's on a team that's played much better. But the young Dacos had quite a heck of a first game. I mean, this has been a season where there have been some youngsters that have played really, really well. I mean, I could probably go through each team and probably tell you a youngster that's probably playing super well. I mean, look at Matty Rowell. Matty Rowell is back to mm -hmm. what he was his first year when he played really, really well. I, I there's too many to, there's too many to name on some of these teams. Tom Green on the GWS Giants is another youngster that I think could have an incredible career Super with his with yes. his big body and incredible play. Um, if you go if you go across the harbor with the Swans, you've got five or six guys that I think Chad Warner was kind of the talk of the town, um, not only in Sydney but also in Melbourne because of his disposal ability. Him coming back this round and who was the guy that got to Buddy. Who who's the one that that passed the ball for Buddy to mark to kick his thousand? Chad Warner. So I mean, there, there's so many. I mean, let's go to Adelaide and Josh Rochelle, the young kids come in and been a goal goal snake for them without Tex Martin. So th there's there's too many. But if, if I had to wrap it down, to I I would say the 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 two the two top kids from this draft. Nick Dacos and Jason Horn Francis, I think, are mm -hmm. two absolute superstars in the making. I think they're going to be where Petraka and Bontempelli are in the next five years, where they're fighting 
for Brownlow medalists and potentially premierships because they're that good a player. So it's such a great young crop of young players that it's going to be fun watching the AFL in the next few years because you've got some absolute superstars. It's loaded, and what what's the cool thing about the young talent that we're seeing around the league is it's like there's not really like a centralized location for them. They're pretty well spread out, and so not only is that going to lead to you know excitement, but it's long term success for the league as well. One hundred percent agree. Hey, as long as the Giants got one of those young possible stars, I am one hundred percent on board with it. But the last statement we got for you this week, Donnie, is. Some interesting reports, of course, coming out of the Richmond side of things, and that is that the Dusty Martin retirement rumors, emphasis on the plural of rumors, are blank. Ridiculous. Mm. Absolutely and completely ridiculous. This man has been through a lot in the last eight months. I mean, yes, I mean, lacerated kidney loses like 12 kilos and then unfortunately around Christmas loses his father who he was very close to um, over the Christmas holiday. I mean, they are, these rumors are ridiculous. Leave this man alone. Let him grieve, let him Mm -hmm. handle his personal life. And then if he wants to play footy, let him play footy, but just leave the man alone. These rumors are ridiculous. There's people talking he could be back in two weeks. There's people talking that he's going to retire. There's people talking that he could go to Sydney. I'm just like, sit down, <laughs> shut up, leave the guy alone. I mean, I, I, Dusty Martin is one of those guys that I almost like, and this is not the Sydney in me fan here. I almost want mm-hmm. him to get out of Melbourne because I think he's had to deal with so much crap there that he doesn't, he shouldn't have to go through. And I think that's the, the most Melbourne frustrating. media think, is freaking well, ridiculous, man. It's, it's kind of like New York media when it comes to the New York Yankees. I mean, that's kind of the way so it is. And that's kind of the thing mm-hmm. that kind of stinks. So it's like, I mean, I, I'd float this out there and I don't care who I offend. Tiger's army. I'm sorry. If I'm dusty, you want to know where I'd love to see him go? The Gold Coast Suns. I was just thinking that. No, I'm not go even up joking. To the, go up to the Gold Coast, young man, yes. and enjoy anonymity and be able to play your footy and to be able to not have to worry about walking outside and getting eight cameras stuck in your face. And that's, that's perfect. And in some situations, that's one of the reasons why Buddy Franklin left Hawthorne and came up to Sydney. He was tired of the fishbowl that is Melbourne. Like, as much mm-hmm. as some people love Melbourne when it comes to footy, it can be overwhelming for somebody that wants a private life, and that's the way Dusty is. So, I'm I'm going to float it out there. I'm sorry, Tigers Army. I don't. I, in comment section. I can already feel the hate <laughs> coming for me from the Tigers fans. But if I'm if I'm Dusty, I find a way to Gold Coast. I find a, I find a way to Queensland or to New South Wales any way possible because I think your your life around footy will be so much easier. Because you won't have to worry about being the superstar guy that is Dusty. You can kind of become just another guy in the Queensland or in New South Wales. So we'll, we'll have to see. I do I see it happening. I think that. he's too. I think he's too loyal to Richmond. I don't think he'll mm-hmm. do it. But honestly, like I, I would love to see it. Like and, and I again, 
Tiger's Army, I know you're going to hate me for a while, and I, I, I love all of you guys. <laughs> I love your passion. It's absolutely fantastic. 100,000, I love it. But go to Gold Coast. Go enjoy, go enjoy some, go enjoy being just another guy. Like, go enjoy your footy and be able to not have to worry about being the man. So, I don't know. But I they're think just that's ridiculous. Great. Yeah. Dusty, I, I send, I send my thoughts to him and I hope, hope he gets the help that he needs and he gets himself some closure to the point where if he does come back to play footy, he can play footy and not have to worry about it. But if he doesn't, mm-hmm. if he retires a heck of a career, a heck of a mm-hmm. career, going to be a hall of famer, should be a legend, but I just, I don't want to push this guy into something that he's going to regret. And it really is frustrating hearing all these people when's dusty, when's dusty, shut up, let dusty be by himself he'll come back when he wants to come back just exactly there's a lot more things that uh there's a lot of things that are way more important than foodie ever will be give his time and this this is just it's almost annoying you feel bad for the man just for being hounded over stuff like this and what if not directly then indirectly with everyone just trying to talk about this more and more it's just unnecessary he'll come back when he wants to if and when he wants to but then also just given his time is when he does if he does choose to come back that's probably going to be when he's going to be playing his best footy instead of having to deal with both at the same time so it's it might might not like it but this is going to be best for literally everyone in the in the long term so uh I don't know. Have have a little compassion for the guy because he lost his dad. I, I I don't think that's a horrible thing to say to the media members. I keep on trying to hound them on this, but you know, they're just trying to do the jobs and let's let's not run to the whole media spiel we had to talk about last round. <laughs> oh, uh, sometimes the media can be a great thing. Sometimes the media can be a bad thing. It just kind of depends on how they want to approach it. Like I said, I I understand the job they're trying to do. But there are times when it's like I don't care about a story if it's going to cost if it if it's going to affect somebody's personal life. I 100% love that statement. And also speaking about loving things, it's time for the team you're going to love the most, the only one that matters <laughs> across the land, across the seas, in fact, across halfway around the world. This is still the only one that matters, and it's time for Coach Donnie's team of the round. So go ahead, Coach. Take her away. Oh, man, this is this is also a fun one. Especially, yeah, just, just especially when we... Oh yeah, love it. Absolutely love it. Uh, for, I, I have to say it right now. The forwards were absolutely ridiculous because we had we had ten guys all kicking four goals or more. So this would be fun to see what you guys happen? think of this. Let's go to the team of the week. Like I oh. always say, a game is won with defense. So we'll start with the defenders. Start with Western Bulldogs. Bailey Dale, twenty-one disposals, a goal, three intercept possessions, a goal assist, six score involvements, five marks, and four hundred and forty-one meters gained. We jump over to Adelaide and Jordan Dawson continuing to make an impact even from the defensive side of the footy at 28 disposals, a goal, five intercept possessions, a goal assist, five score involvements, 11 marks, and 536 meters gained. Essendon's Tom Cutler, 15 disposals, a goal, a behind, five score involvements, seven marks, and 356 meters gained. A gentleman that had a lot of work for West Coast in their waffle side is Liam Duggan. 18 disposals, a goal, seven intercept possessions, seven marks, three tackles, and 435 meters gained. Also in that same game would be North 
Jack Zebel with 29 disposals, 8 intercept possessions, a goal assist, 5 score involvements, 14 marks, 2 tackles, and 487 meters gained. Last but not least is St. Kilda's Josh Battle. 21 disposals, 13 intercept possessions, a goal assist, 3 score involvements, 13 marks, 5 tackles, and 387 meters gained. Let's go to the ruck position. This is going to be kind of a shocker for you. The ruck position starting would be Melbourne's Luke Jackson. 21 disposals, two goals, a goal assist, four score involvements, five marks, seven clearances, four tackles, 16 hitouts, and 328 meters gained for the young ruckman that I think a lot of West Coast and Frio Mantle Dockers fans are looking going, please let this young man run out of contract because he would be an incredible <laughs> addition to bring back to WA. The mids see a, a lot of very well-known names. Carlton First up is Carlton's Patrick Cripps, as we said. 35 disposals, two goals, a behind, three intercept possessions, six score involvement, seven marks, six clearances, and 233 meters gained. A monster game by Brisbane's Lockie Neal. 41 disposals, two goals, two behind, seven intercept possessions, a goal assist, nine score involvements, six marks, 12 clearances, and 778 meters gained. Gold Coast, Noah Anderson, 25 disposals, two goals, three score involvements, eight clearances, three tackles, and 521, 521 meters gained. Making up for Dusty is Richmond's Shy Bolton, 17 disposals, two goals, two behinds, eight score involvements, six marks, four clearances, and 537 meters gained. Wrapping up the starters would be GWS's Josh Kelly, 26 disposals, mm. two goals, a behind, a goal assist, eight score involvement, seven marks, three clearances, and 406 meters gained. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. The goal fest starts now. We start with oh. the forwards. <laughs> One of the first ones. Carlton's Charlie Kernow, 16 disposals, five goals, a goal assist, eight score involvements, four marks, three tackles, and 514 meters gained. If Buddy Franklin did not kick his 1,000th goal, I think everybody would be talking about this young man after his performance against the the Geelong Cats, and that's Sydney's Isaac Heaney. 21 disposals, five goals, seven score involvements, five tackles, and 255 meters gained. Also in this game is Geelong's Brad Close. 18 disposals, 4 goals, behind, 4 intercept possessions, a goal assist, 10 score involvements, 5 marks, 5 tackles, and 236 meters gained. Helping out Hawthorne to get a big win on the road at Port is Mitchell is Mitch Lewis, 11 disposals, 5 goals, a goal assist, 7 score involvements, 7 marks, and 200 meters gained. Norse Nick Larkey, 16 disposals, 6 goals, 3 behinds, 3 intercept possessions, 9 score involvements, 7 marks, and 256 meters gained. Rounding out the starters is West Coast Willie Rioli with 18 disposals, 4 goals, 3 intercept possessions, 8 score involvements, 4 marks, 3 clearances, and 376 meters gained. We jump to the bench starting with our defender. 
Frios, Luke Ryan, 32 disposals, 13 intercept possessions, a goal assist, three score involvements, 13 marks, five tackles, and 367 meters gained. Our midfield representative is also from Frio, Andrew Brayshaw, 40 disposals, a goal, two behind, six intercept possessions, eight score involvements, 10 marks, four clearances, eight tackles, and 628 meters gained. Our ruck representative is the Western Bulldogs, Tim English. 24 disposals, a goal, three intercept possessions, six score involvement, six marks, 21 hitouts, and 321 meters gained. And I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. You know what? I couldn't not give this this wonderful gentleman a tip. <laughs> the final spot on the bench goes to Sydney's Buddy Franklin, getting his yes. 1,000th goal, but he had 10 disposals, four goals, five score involvement, seven marks, and 285 meters gained. There were so many great performances in the forwards with so many players kicking, but I had to give Buddy a nod because you kick a thousand, but you kick four goals in a game that you really, really helped kind of put away. You got to give the nod to the Budster. So that is my Coach Hess's round team of the week. That is one hell of a list. Imagine. Um, just even having half of those forwards on your fantasy team, you probably won by about 2,000 points. <laughs> uh, some incredible performances, some incredible performances. But it was, it was just a great round of footy, and the offensive, the offensive explosions, was, it was really nice to see some of the, some of the great results and, and to see 10 guys kick more, four goals or more in the entire league was absolutely incredible. fantastic. It was fun to watch. It definitely was an entertaining round, to say the least. So, fingers crossed that round three keeps the momentum going when it comes to the entertainment side of things. And speaking about round three, we're going to wrap things up here with our round three tipping. Um, there's some interesting matchups here, and some of them were, yeah, the, the majority of people probably on the, on the right spot here, but some of them... I, uh, you know, chose a couple against them. Of course, it worked out last round. I had, uh, you know, a bold pick or two, and they both kind of paid off. So, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just chalk that up to luck and no skill whatsoever when it comes to that. But, Coach, <laughs> let's get into our tipping here. We're going to start things off with the course, the, um, the first game of the round. That is your Sydney Swans taking on the Doggies. We got 57% of the world taking the Swans. And will you be joining them like I am here? Uh, normally I'm very leery about games like this, tipping the Swannies, but I just, I think with the way Brisbane has played defensively has not been very strong. The way Sydney is playing, I think they have a little bit of an advantage in the rock and I think their defense is going to be able to hold not down a little bit. I'm going to tip the Swans in this one, but I think this is a good game. I think, I think tomorrow morning will be a fantastic game of footy to watch. I think the Swans win it, but not by much. Swans are definitely, um, I would say my favorite underdog, um, pick of the week uh, they're right now seeing the odds wise uh two bucks and eight cents where you got a buck 75 to the doggies on this one um definitely a little bit of a different um betting odd margin in our next one and are you uh uh melbourne against essendon in um i i i just i'm on the side with the the only team here um that makes sense and that's don's no i'm just kidding it's the it's the these <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I just, I, the demons Sorry, are so Essendon. good with Essendon being a, a, as, as woeful as they have been playing as much as I love the Dons. I, I, I gotta go D's here. I, I think this is one of those. Can the D, can the Dons keep it close 
or can the D's really put a hurting on this Don's team that's really it really is struggling right now? Uh, the next one should be a pretty fun one. We take it to the showdown, one of the games that's happening on the Friday. And, um, of course, it'll be controversy coming off of that, of course. Uh, but we got the Crows and the Adelaide, Port Adelaide Power. And I'm rolling with the 16% of the world that's going with the Crows. I think I saw, like, maybe one expert p- tipping them as well. Um, so, I, I don't know. I I'm going to have a fun time with this one. I, I'm, this is this is probably the most least least confident pick I'm going to have <laughs> the entire round because I, I'm I'm I, I see why a lot of people are tipping the crows because why why some people are tipping the crows because of how, but I just think there's enough talent on port in, in Adelaide right now. I just I don't know what type of team they want to be. I don't know if they want to be a ball possession team. I don't know if they want to be a pressure team. I just, I, I, at least Port somewhat knows what they're doing. Their issue has been scoring. I don't think Mm -hmm. Adelaide really gives them a lot of danger when it comes to scoring. So I'm going to tip Port in this one, but I, I'm with you. Like this, this is probably one of the weirdest showdowns I think I've ever seen because normally you have one team that's playing well, one team that's, eh, or you have two <laughs> great teams. Very rarely mm-hmm. do you have a showdown where both teams are not playing well. So I'm very yeah. interested to see how this one goes. And to kind of explain a little bit what you were talking about is that we had technically have two Friday games in the early morning. The reason that they are overlapping is the original AFLW Grand Final was supposed to be this week. That's why they had moved it so then that the grand final would have clear air. There would be no men's game while the women's game was playing. Well, that kind of got shot. Well, that got shot in the you-know-what. So now there's actually Ah. two preliminary finals this week that are also still going to be getting that free air so they couldn't adjust the times. So unfortunately, I do understand a lot of people in Adelaide are not happy because the showdown is something that they've always wanted on prime time on a Friday and they're getting it, but not Mm -hmm. really getting it, I think, the way they expected. So and then I'd also like to before we finish our tips, um, I would like can I please put my tips out for the AFLW two preliminary grand finals at the end of this? You don't have to tip because I know you haven't been watching it as as much as me, but I'd like to throw that in at the end if you don't mind. Absolutely, we can do that. Awesome. We'll save that for the end here. A little bit of icing on the proverbial cake. And uh, this is my tip with the crows. is definitely going to be my bold, at least one bold one of the round. And uh, we'll see if this one's able to pay off as well as they did last round. Uh, now we got the Giants and the Gold Coast Suns. And, uh, oh, boy, if the Giants fall to 0-3 to this team, I will um, not be all too happy. So um, I'm rolling with the Giants. I have hope. Uh, this is the third time this year I've tipped them. Let's hope it's not a jinx. I'm going to tip the Giants in this one. I think the Giants have just a little too much talent. And even losing Phil Taylor, even losing Phil Taylor, I still think they're a better club. But this is mm-hmm. one... I'm also not super confident with because I think Gold Coast has been playing better. They really pushed Melbourne a lot more than I think some people expected. So I'm going to tip GWS in this one, but this is another one. This will not shock me if this goes to Gold Coast because Gold Coast is playing much, much better footy uh, to start this season. But they've done this before for seven games, played well, and then airplane dive into the ocean. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm not looking forward to this game. I'm going to be very nervous, and definitely I'm trying to do my best to lower 
expectations. Um, and I'm trying to lower expectations for the Collingwood Magpies because, sweet damn, I kind of like riding on this train. Uh, shout to the greatest footy player of all time, Mason Cox, and you cannot tell me otherwise. Uh, him and his glasses are just uh, Hall of Fame bound, and I think it's safe to say on that one. Not an overreaction, by the way. Uh, but the next game is actually one that was I went back and forth on a lot because, you know, we have the Magpies, we have the Geelong Cats, We've seen two different versions of the Cats. We've seen one consistent version of the Magpies. I'm going with the Cats, but this one, I, I, I struggle with this one. I, I understand that there's a few more people hopping on the Magpie, hopping on the Magpies uh, for this tip because of the way the Cats played. But I think the Swans are just a little bit of a better team than Collingwood is. So I think that's a little mm-hmm. bit. And Geelong was woefully that's no bad. Well, Geelong was woefully bad in front of goal. And I think that really helped. Okay. I mean, they, they mm-hmm. out inside 50 dim. There, a lot of the categories actually did go to Geelong. It was just Sydney mm-hmm. was more accurate on the night. And I think that's really what kind of changed that game. So I'm going to tip the cats in this one. Yes. Collingwood plays the MCG pretty well. Um, but I'm going to go with the cats. I think they bounce back. I think they kind of get the little kick in the butt um, that they needed. <laughs> and I, I think they bounce back and they bounce back well against the Collingwood team. I think a little bit of a benefactor of a couple of teams that haven't played as well. So uh, I'm going to tip the cats in this one. Now the next game in terms of the spread of the odds, this is the biggest one. Um, if you throw it back to Melbourne in the um, Dons, that was a 97% tipping rate to the Ds. Now we got 98%, or at least according to AFL.com, 98% are going with the Brisbane Lions against the North Melbourne Roos, and it's kind of hard to to, to disagree with with that. Uh, this one, I just think Brisbane is just so good. I think I think North Melbourne they capitalized on a waffle team last week. I think they I think we kind of see what North Melbourne really is like. I'm hoping for I'm hoping North Melbourne can somewhat keep this game close. It's not going to be an absolute disaster, but we, the possibilities of it becoming a blowout are are they're there. Um, yeah, at the Gabba, Lions will win. Lions should win this one, and they should win this one easily. But you never know. Maybe North, maybe North mm-hmm. Melbourne finally, after getting that win, has got some confidence, and they get kind of back that rough and gritty side that they had a lot last year. So, <laughs> this next one, oh, I, I, I really want to tip Hawthorne against uh, Carlton. <laughs> I really wanted to. I couldn't fully bring myself to do that just because I do have a surprising amount of faith in Carlton at this point, a little bit more than Hawthorne, um, but. Hey man, I, I I guess I wouldn't be surprised if the Hawks take this one and and I, I all and just totally derail the Carlton hype train and take all that hype into themselves and just be the the, the next big thing in this league. <laughs> I, I, uh, I think this is one of those where I, I look at who who Carlton's played in the first two games. I look at Hawthorne, who they played in the first two games. And yeah. I kind of go. I, I'm going to tip this to Carlton. I think Carlton's a better team. I think Carlton's had a tougher challenge and have have really stepped up to the plate when they needed to. I'm going to tip Carlton in this one, but this is another one a lot like the Gold Coast Suns game. I, I see mm-hmm. one team winning it, but it will not shock me if the other does because. It's just kind of the way footy is this year. The way footy has been the last few years is that as soon as you think it's a slam dunk, that's when all heck breaks loose. So I'm going to tip Carlton, but I'm going to give the Hawks a little bit more of a sniff in this one than I think some people are. 
I like that. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a close game early. So probably will. And if you're going to bet an underdog, I would definitely be betting on Hawthorne in this round. We got Carlton at a buck fifty-four, while Hawthorne ran two forty-nine. So uh, this underdog tip would definitely grant you a little bit of that moolah. Um, the, the second to last game is going to be the St. Kilda Saints and the Richmond Tigers. And St. Kilda did me well in my tips from last round. And you know what? I think this is going to be. An extremely close game. The betting line displays that as well. I'm going with the 23%. Let's go St. Kill the Saints once more. This is one of those, like, like I said, if I'm if I'm the rest of the competition, I'm angry with GWS because I think they might have woke up Richmond, the Richmond monster. <laughs> it's okay. I'm really angry monster. at them too. I'm, St. Kilda, I think, capitalized on a Frio team that's not kicking goals. This, this Richmond team, yeah. has they can score. Which I think I think they capitalized a little bit on that fact. I'm gonna tip Richmond in this one, but I, I'm 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 with you. I can see this potentially. I mean, St. Kilda's been pesky. I mean, the, their injury worries has been the issue with me is that they still Rowan Marshall's having to try to do a majority of the ruck, and I think it really kind of mm-hmm. takes him out of what he's really good at and being that resting full forward that can come in and pitch hit in the ruck occasionally. So I'm gonna tip Richmond in this one, but. St. Kilda will be in this game. I think so, too. And uh, finish thing, finishing things off with a, another rivalry game, Donnie. Uh, forgive my ignorance, everyone listening. This one, uh, what, what's I know there's a showdown, there's a derby. Which one is the uh, Western Frio Derby? In, 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 Western Western derby. derby. Thank you. Yep. And that that's kind of what I was thinking with. Uh, I didn't want to be fully wrong on that one. At least they're not Richmond fans when you get something wrong about them. Hey, but what would you know? I'm, oh, man, this, this show's kind of turned a little bit of a Richmond hate fest. I, we love you guys. So, I mean, <laughs> um, uh, just don't don't hate us. Hate the concession stands at the MCG. All right. Now, that's where you really have to throw your energy. But we got the, uh, the Eagles and uh, the um, Fremantle Dockers in this one. I'll roll with the Dockers, the 73% of the world in this one. Um, I mean, it, it does help when they can actually fill up a list. This is one I honestly jump back and forth because I know the Eagles had so many so many outs last week. They should get – it sounds like they're going to get them a good portion of them back. And mm-hmm. the scary part about it is, is that – some of them that are coming back are superstars. I mean, you get the Kennedys back, you get the Kellys back. I mean, you've got some high quality players. I think Frio is going to do enough because there are still enough missing pieces in this West Coast team. But mm-hmm. I think this should be a much closer tip than I think than than what it's looking like. I, I at least the the tipping app that I have has seventy seven percent Frio. I'm surprised this isn't a fifty fifty tipper. Because I've seen a lot of people that are on the West Coast on this because of the fact Frio has had issues scoring. So I'm going to tip Frio in this one, but this is another one I bounce back and forth because, again, West Coast ends that it sounds like they're going to get back in this week are some impact players. So I tip Frio, but I'm I'm leery on this particular tip. So now to, to go off this, to, I will kind of preview this real quick myself since I am the AFLW and AFL footy correspondent. We have He's two the man, absolutely essentially. The footy magnificent, man. magnificent 
preliminary finals games between the four best teams in the entire competition this year as the Adelaide Crows host the Fremantle Dockers at Adelaide Oval, which will be fantastic for the young ladies to get to play on that marvelous ground there. I think the Crows are just too good. This is the last year that this Crows team is going to be all together. I think like the last Mm -hmm. dance at Michael Jordan, I think they want to go out on top. They are super laser-like focused. I think Frio, they're a good team, but can they handle the, the, absolute avalanche of talent of Ebony Marinoff, um, Pritchard, um, Aaron Phillips, uh, Stevie Ray, Stevie Lee Thompson, so many solid players. I, I just think the Crows are going to have a little too much. Even with the three weeks off, I think the Crows are going to have just a little too much for this Frio Dockers team. But I think this is going to be one hell of a game. And then the other the other preliminary final at the MCG, the first ever AFLW game at the MCG, mm. sees the the reigning premiers, the Brisbane Lions, taking on the Melbourne Demons, a team a lot of people at the start of the year saw as a potential flag favorite. This is going to be the game of this round. You have two incredible teams. I think the team that wins this is going to give the Crows headaches because Brisbane's got a ton of speed and Melbourne's got just an incredible roster with Taylor Harris, one of the best goal kickers in the entire competition. I think the D's pull this one out on the MCG, but this is going to be an incredible game. I say to you people that watch this, watch these two preliminary finals because this is going to be champagne footy. This is going to show you that the women's game gets the finances and gets the backing. This could be the product you get all the time with women's footy. I see a grand final of the Melbourne Demons versus the Adelaide Crows. I can talk about that next week. What an incredible, what an incredible AFLW season. Thank you, Ross, for letting me have that. So I, I, I cannot wait. The Both those games will be Friday night. They're going to be at decent times. So if you get a chance, Ross, please watch these these two teams. If you have any questions on the players, please let me know because these are two these are four incredibly, incredibly good footy teams, and you will enjoy the footy that you get to watch. And the best part is the game's a little bit shorter and a little bit faster, so it's really quick, so you don't have to worry about staying up for four hours to watch one game. <laughs> well, you guys certainly heard the man. Go ahead, get your eyes on that television screen, computer screen, uh, I don't know, iPhone screen, whatever the, whatever the hell you watch it on, because <laughs> those are sure to excite. I know I have a plethora of screens, all right? I watch on my phone, my computer, my laptop, my TV. So um, you get a pretty good variety here. And speaking of, I don't, I don't even know where I was going with that one. We're done. We're wrapping things up. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so Love much it. for tuning in to our round two AFL breakdown. Um, um, of course, I mean, what a way this season has gone off, man. This has been an amazing start. These last couple of rounds have been beyond exciting. I mean, not just if we didn't even include the, the buddy goal. It's still a tremendous round, still a bunch of highlights coming from it. I mean, plenty of goal of the year um, contenders have already taken place in the first couple of rounds, and we could not be more excited, but, and we especially cannot be more excited to have all of you guys on as well, because you truly make what we do that much more fun. Before I cap things off, I... Um, I technically I shouted out the aforementioned Czechoslovakia last round. Um, Donnie quickly corrected my geography, um, but we're going to give a shout out to Barbados. The listeners in Barbados this round, the less than one percent of you, but you're still there. Um, 
thank you for for listening i i had no idea uh about that i mean obviously i knew about barbados um i didn't know you guys really listened to this i thought it was just a vacation island uh, so i will correct my thoughts on that one but thank you guys so much for tuning in of course um subscribe to us on youtube follow us uh rumble uh spotify apple Podcasts. like i said youtube anchor anywhere you find anything we are there whether you want us to be or not and you can um, check us out instagram um twitter donnie's also on there as well at coach hess 40 um, on either platform so go ahead go check him out as well although he doesn't post at all on Instagram, <laughs> go catch his Twitter because you actually find some good stuff there. So, um, my thoughts I hope that you guys have a great weekend when it comes to your fantasy footy. I know I would love a little bit more luck, but uh, coach, your thoughts on round two of the AFL season in one word or phrase intriguing because you've got some matchups, you've got some teams that we're going to kind of, you're going to get there. You're going to get there, the measuring stick on whether they're legit or not. So we're going to come in round three and I think maybe see that the ladder change just the tiniest bit. If a few things go certain ways. So it's very intriguing round of footy. I love it. Go ahead and spread this out thing. I love you guys. I listen, go and give it to your friends, family, enemies, um, coworkers. I, I don't care. Give it to the random guy on the bus that you might sit next to. If you even use public transportation, uh, I am declaring war on Australia. I would love to take over your country. Uh, thank you. And please, um, but we will catch you guys next week after round three of the AFL season and go ahead and catch the preliminary finals of the AFLW finals as well. Have a good one, guys.